everybody. This is Anthony Grost. Welcome to the Sales Lab. Uh, I'm the host for today's broadcast, Presale Without Fail, featuring Kevin Oakley of Do You Convert? Uh, I'm really excited to have Kevin on our program today because our discussion will be absolutely relevant to today's housing market um, and current buyer behaviors that are out there. As you know, as all of you are aware, the coronavirus has thrown you know the financial markets and mortgage markets into some turmoil right now, um, which has been creating some concern. Now this is temporary upheaval that will cause some level of demand shock out there in the market for our buyers. And I say temporary because this isn't 2008. There's nothing systemically wrong with the real estate market. In fact, there's a lot of good things about the real estate market. Um, but once we have some good news, and we will have some good news, uh, you'll see the markets improve. In fact, uh, some, even today I was reading some articles that China is already coming back online, both from consumers and supply chains, you know, after being shut down. So when I look at the turmoil today, it is what we view as short term, but how do we navigate these waters? So how do we in new home sales adjust to this new environment and keep in mind we have you know how how are we handling social distancing and i'm talking to builders every single day and there's all sorts of reactions and no reactions we have builders that are moving to appointment only um, how are we managing our online sales um, what are we doing for facetime you know we've had such a hot market for so long have we forgotten how to launch our communities. Have we forgotten how to relaunch communities? Maybe you launched a community and now you're, you know, you moved to appointment only and now I need to relaunch it. What do I need to be doing? There's, you know, I know all of you have a lot of questions, uh, especially in light of what's going on. So this presentation with Kevin is, is going to be so valuable because of what he covers on how to work with today's buyers. Now for those, I'm sure a lot of you know Kevin, but Kevin, has over 15 years experience running and marketing sales and operations for home builders. He's worked with two different multi-billion dollar builders, NVR as well as Miranda Homes, and has worked for a private family home builder of Heartland. He's been intimately involved in the development of marketing and sales for over $2 billion in new home sales. I've known Kevin for, I don't know, going on probably about eight years now. And Kevin is the author of Presale Without Fail, The Secret to Launching New Communities with Maximum Results. And he's also the host of the Market Proof uh, Marketing Podcast, which I've listened to as well and really enjoyed. So without any further delay, I want to bring Kevin on. Kevin, welcome to today's program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. And you hit it on the head. Uncertainty is what's out there. And without jumping straight into the meat of it, when you when you face uncertainty, if you don't have written guidelines, plans of action, and certainly you're gonna adjust those plans of action as market conditions change, but if you hit uncertainty without it, that's that's when panic happens. And so having a written process and procedure that you can iterate on, learn from, and change, instead of having to start from scratch or again simply panic and, and go into a fetal position is is always important so thanks for having me on and hopefully there'll be a lot of good stuff we can we can share with everyone well i'm excited to hear because pre-sale pre-sale without fail came from the great recession right so yeah. when there was a lack of buyer urgency and this this isn't the great recession but it is a little shock and it's a shock to the system that's changing behaviorally how people are are out there so yep. pre-sale and what you're going to talk about is that is is that still a viable strategy in today's market 
Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I'm gonna show you even a text message that I got this morning from someone that I think is gonna catch a lot of people off guard. But but let's let's jump in and talk a little bit about the current market conditions and then and then scoot into to pre-sale without fail proper. First of all, this is my birthday when when Anthony emailed me and said, When would you like to do this? And he gave me a couple options of the date. I was like, today's the day. Um, and so uh, don't everyone sing at once. Um, but this is this is a great day for me, and I can't imagine doing something more fun to celebrate. Uh, we're, we're big fans of data, do you convert? And this is just a screenshot of aggregated data from right around 50 home, different home builders, uh, 45 or so that we work with, and then another uh, handful that we do not. And what you're looking at is a year-over-year -year data comparison. And so on the far left, you can see that uh, what we all felt in the marketplace, literally the day after Christmas, the market doubled uh, its separation from the previous year. In January of 2020, I think may go down as, as one of the, to this point, high watermarks of consumer interest and activity for home builders. It was an incredible market, and that has continued to push us into February. Those January leads and interest turned into February sales. February is still keeping uh, March strong. And when you look at the far right side of that graph, we are still overall right at 2019 levels of web traffic year over year. Now, I'm showing you this for really the only reason to say that the sky is not falling in terms of the, the forward indicators of leads, web traffic, and even sales. We had probably a half or, or maybe even 75% of the builders we work with represent that they had stronger walk-in traffic this past weekend than the previous weekend. Builders are still selling homes. Again, lead count for most builders is higher. And by very definition, the lead quality is potentially better. The only negative news on this half of the data is that the, the transition from leads to appointment is dropping uh, rather quickly. So 20, 30% drops in leads from online sources turning into an appointment due to the conditions and also maybe because of how builders are counting it, going to virtual appointments and such, but the, the sky is not falling in terms of web traffic uh, at all. And yet, I think there's something that we need to remember about the Great Recession as marketers. Uh, when, I, when I was riding through this ride uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at the time, we were doing full-page, full-color newspaper ads. And yet we knew, everyone knew, that digital marketing was the next thing to happen and yet, as soon as things started to get difficult, this is what builders did. Instead of saying we should take the ten to fifteen thousand dollars we're spending every weekend, right? That's that's what more than what a lot of builders spend for an entire month or two on their digital efforts still today. But instead of hurrying that transition, what most builders did instead was say double it. Let's do let's do a double truck, two-page spread, and double our investment. And they were in the demand generation business. And in any time of market uncertainty, I think as a marketer, you want to quickly shift out of trying to create demand or foster demand to simply servicing those who are in the marketplace first and foremost. And that's going to give you some additional resources to invest in what's next. Now, what was next before was the shift to digital marketing and having an online sales position or an inside sales position to handle those inquiries properly. That was the shift back then. What we can all see now, we've talked about it for the last year or two, 
uh, on your podcast, on my podcast, Anthony, that the shift that's coming is that buyers want to do more and more of the entire process online or virtually. We already know that's where consumers want to go and that's where the puck is going. And so uh, to, to continue to talk about the Wayne Gretzky quote, let's just go where the puck is going. The other, the other important reminder of what's going on right now is even as, as, as early as uh, Friday, builders were reaching out to us saying, we want to get out this communication about we're available for on-site appointments, virtual appointments, you know, whatever the consumer wants to do, our models are still open. And then Friday afternoon, it was switching to, nope, where models aren't open all the time. It's only by appointment and only by virtual. And then by Friday evening, builders were already saying, you know what, we're just going straight virtual. And we know where the puck is going in the short term, and it's gonna go to virtual selling and different, different methods of sales. And so we need to go where the puck is going faster. Uh, professional builder did a survey yesterday, the results came out, they did the survey uh, two, two days ago, and asked builders, what have you changed so far? And I believe it was roughly 64% said, we've changed nothing so far as of yesterday. And we got a shift where the puck is going. And the last thing before we kind of shift to some specific examples of what this looks like is, once we get there, I really don't think that we're ever going to be able to take that away from consumers. So if we're offering virtual appointments and virtual sales opportunities today, via FaceTime, Skype, Google Duo, whatever that is, do you think a year and a half from now, we're gonna be able to say to customers, nope, you've got to get back in your car and drive 40 minutes to see us before we tell you anything else. So, so yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, Kevin, so is this an inflection point? Is this change in the behavior now? Uh, it sounds like it's going to be permanent, in your opinion, correct? Parts, parts of it will be. And I, and I guess the, the bigger thought that I have is just there is zero harm right now in investing more time, energy, and resources in that shift that again, we all have felt internally. And I mean, if you and I each had a dime for every time someone mentioned, why can't I just build and design my home online like I can a car, right? Everyone, why can't we just do homes like we do cars? And so that there will be parts of this that will be permanent changes because I don't think once you give the customer more control they're ever gonna let you easily take it back. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. They're gonna demand better and better experiences. And we're gonna be proving over the next couple of weeks and months that we can do better. And ironically, we've gotta be forced into making that change by the current issues going on in, in today's market conditions. And, and, and in terms of ways that builders have been doing this, even for a couple months now, I think CBH Homes was the first builder in North America at scale of any size to say basically, you can buy a house online. Now you can't really buy a house online. You can put a deposit on a home online and there's other builders like Sterling Homes in Edmonton, Canada also has a, a buy it now option, but you are able to find a home on, on the website, submit a deposit, make an appointment. And then if you like it, that home is yours. And then they're updating the website here, as you can see on the left for homes that have been reserved, the ones that are not reserved, you've got a buy now button. So this has already been in the works. And one thing, Anthony, that, uh, I think a lot of builders aren't thinking about is they're going virtual. And I asked a builder yesterday on a call, I said, uh, how is your mortgage company set up to handle this? Because if you're going virtual and the next step is to talk to uh, someone in the mortgage side of the business and they say, oh, we're not set up to, to have those conversations virtually. Uh, and obviously the phone's gonna work too, but 
you get my point. Everyone's got to adjust to this new way of expectation that the consumer has, and we need to meet it, obviously. Now, the other thing that I think is interesting about marketing is, um, you know, everyone right now is obsessed about two things, communicating that they have some type of official response statement, which, you know, what's in it for me is always the most important part for the consumer. We should be leading with that message, not leading with, by the way, did you know there's a global health issue going on right now? Uh, what's in it for them? And, and we should be talking about that we're upgrading your home shopping experience. You don't have to explain why. Everyone knows why. <laughs> Just move past it and talk about the fact you've upgraded it. And you can see this, you know, Redfin has always done a tremendous job and kind of led the way in, in growing. And, and Meredith Oliver shared this screenshot uh, the other day online, and it's absolutely right. But they were the first ones to say, go ahead and self-schedule self a tour for this home. Now they've got tour via video chat, but look at all the red arrows. These are all different calls to action of, of, of things that a consumer can do to take the next step forward. And you pull up a home builder website and there's usually one, maybe two. And I actually forgot even to just to, to touch the, to put a red arrow on the phone number, right? You could certainly always call. And that's where marketers are focused is I've got to change all my calls to action and say, we're going virtual. And you do, that's, that's step one. But think about what's to the left here, these yellow arrows. If this content wasn't here and it didn't look good and they didn't have a 3D Matterport tour and they didn't use a, a service like Box Brownie to make sure the sky looked as good as possible, all those calls to action mean nothing if you swapped out this image with a black and white rendering of a home under construction. So again, in terms of shifts that we should be thinking about right now is if it's traditional media, you know, get it out of the demand generation business, serve the existing buyers in the marketplace of which there are still many out there. But, but cut that traditional stuff, shift it to digital, and even on the digital side, you need to be scaling back where appropriate so that you can continue to invest in better and better content and or, you know, Mike and I uh, stole a quote, and I, I forget who it's from, but if you have the money to solve a problem, you don't have a problem. How do we get our salespeople to figure out how to do this virtual selling? How do we get our systems in place to get the customer from, from website to online salesperson to, to sales rep? If you've got the money and energy and time to invest in that right now, you are gonna be ahead of the game. You gotta do short-term Band-Aid fixes, but if you're also not immediately afterwards trying to figure out longer-term solutions because we know where the puck is going, you're missing out right now. Um, that, anything else about the current market conditions that, that you have a question on uh, in on the, go ahead and, and, and ask that now, or Anthony, if there's anything else you want me to touch on before we move on to kind of pre-sale without fail specifically in this market and, and how it works, um, we, can, we can kind of wrap up this, this first part on the market. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, about a change in buyer behavior and, and being that we're in the mortgage business we have seen a sharp change in behavior to things like FaceTime things like uh, I'm you know basics just basics conference calls um, yeah. fa FaceTime uh, video emails with instructions on how to do things we're seeing a lot more of this electronic mm -hmm. communication across yep. and buyers are comfortable with it you know ultimately they still want to connect with us but verbal connection using the telephone works too um, as yeah. well so we have we have seen this shift and in fact even a couple developers that I'm meeting with have shifted the appointments to to calls 
And so yeah. everybody's comfortable having that kind of discussion or on a FaceTime basis. So yeah, you're, you're seeing it in real time happen and, um, and uh, funny enough, it works. And I, I I'm really appreciate that you keep bringing back up. There's phone calls work too. You know, a lot of builders are rushing straight to go to meetings, straight to Zoom, straight to some other piece of technology. And and my my business partner, Mike Lyon, correctly, quickly said, hold on a second, guys. Do you want to be in the tech support business? Because you know, we do video coaching calls all day long, every single day. And still, you know, the first five minutes often are you're you're muted, oh, you got the wrong webcam, oh, I can't see you. Oh, you know, do you want to be in that business or you just want to call them on FaceTime? You know, yeah. whatever the customer wants to interact, however they want to do that, meet them where they are and, and start that conversation. And the phone is absolutely still an okay place to be. Um, you know, we have a great question that came in. Uh, Richard, thank you for asking this question. Uh, Richard's question is, have you seen any resistance in the marketplace from different demographics that, you know, opposed to these methods? Meaning, you know, do baby boomers react differently to the new form of communication versus, you know, millennials? It's too early to, to give you quantifiable data on that, but that's exactly why I'm saying the statement, meet them where they are. You know, if you ask my, my father, who is 76, to download a specific app, i.e. Zoom, in order to have a conversation with you, he's not into that idea. Like, it takes him a while to get comfortable figuring out how to use the USA Today app to get his news, right? It, so, so it's okay if he wants to start with a phone call, if, if FaceTime is okay, if they have Skype installed. You might even ask the question, how do you communicate with, with family members or, or other folks? And instead of just asking specifically what tool they want to use, how are you communicating now with those that you care about and love? And I'll be happy to hop in and, and take you as far as I can using that tool. Don't, don't, don't pigeonhole them into to one offering of a way to interact with you. I think the other thing before I forget as well is, you know, just turn off automation in your marketing efforts. Uh, any time of uncertainty, again, we need human interaction. We do need the confidence that comes from seeing someone's face, hearing their voice. And you know, automation was questionable at best in, in, in the great times. It's absolutely destructive now. And even if you think I, I'm going to need it again soon, you need to be pausing it and looking at the messages that are coming out of that system and adjusting it to today's current reality. Uh, even the cadence of those messages may need to change because if you're currently asking someone every week or two, hey, has anything changed in your current situation? And we're all still on lockdown in our houses. Don't be surprised if you get a lot of people emailing you back saying thanks for the sarcasm, but I'm still stuck here at home. Nothing's changed, right? So, so turn off marketing automation, be as human as possible, be as transparent as possible, and just serve the existing demand in the marketplace. Okay, pre-sale without fail. Are you ready, Anthony? I'm ready. <laughs> we, we always do this quickly anyway. Uh, for those of you like me who are already stressing out that we're 20 minutes in and we're just talking about pre-sale, don't worry. I've got all kinds of links to other resources for you to continue to circle back on things we may uh, gloss over right now. But again, just kind of as, as a transition point here, pre-sale without fail is simply a reverse engineering of a process that I saw happen during the Great Recession, where we had a community sell extremely well, I believe 14 homes in the first day in Cranberry Township in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And the, the reason that was given for the success, because I was fairly new to the company still then, was there's just a ton of pent up demand. But 
as we reverse engineered what had happened in the human psychology element, we realized that if sales and marketing work together, and I always like to say that sales is the heart of the organization. Sales is the heart of the organization. Marketing's job is to add the fuel that, that allows the heart to be successful. And so we looked at the pre-sale process that was used uh, somewhat ad hoc in that scenario and said, how knowing human psychology, knowing where the heart needs to be and where the fuel needs to be, how can we can we create demand even when historically there hasn't been that pent-up interest? And that's where uh, this this book above my shoulder uh, started from. And you know, a lot of times when you talk to marketers in a home building organization and you mention, aren't you excited you've got a new community launch coming up? This is kind of more their reaction. It's like, no, because expectations are so high. They won't give me any information until the day before we launch. We were supposed to launch next month, and then the owner walked in and said, go to sale tomorrow afternoon, go, 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 and we don't have floor plans. We don't have a sales environment. Uh, unfortunately, partly because we, this idea that as times have gone well, we can just you know, go cowboy and, 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 and turn on a dime our plans and strategies, and it's worked. And I think that's the other thing I'm gonna, you're gonna hear me say for the next many, many years. Almost everything worked in January of 2020. A lot of things will not work in March and April of 2020. And, and what I really believe is they never really worked then either. The, the market was so good that a lot of mistakes could still produce good looking numbers and good information. So unfortunately, this is sometimes how builders feel about a community launch and this is their strategy. And that, and that also leads into why that, that feeling is there. Or again, lack of information. My hands are tied. I don't know the product I'm selling. I don't have pricing until hours before I'm going to market. This is a, a great marketing picture for pre-sale without fail. We had 1,100 people uh, go through a model home uh, in, in one day. And it, was, it looks amazing and it's awful because you can't correctly process. You can't meet and learn the story you can't do the 4-2 formula with 1,100 people, no matter how many salespeople you have. And so even if you get them registered in the CRM, this is an opportunity lost. And this was one of the lessons I had to learn that ended up going into the book is that we don't need 1,100 people. We just need the right people. And we need roughly three times the number of right people as home sites are being released. Okay, let's talk about today's reality because we all know Right now, uh, social distancing would not allow what we're seeing here. Uh, even uh, this example that, that I got uh, right before the International Builders Show would no longer work. She's sitting just a little too close to the other gentleman. But sometimes what people, when the market was really good, is they would say, people are not going to wait in line. They're going to be mad. They're going to be upset, Kevin. We can't ask them to do things like this. They're, they're too demanding. Customers are too demanding. And yet I got sent this message literally a day or two before the builder show. And this lady is smiling. She's happy. She's, she's thrilled that she's sitting outside in the cold with a cap on and hot, hot, hot coffee to stay warm because she's about to purchase a house. And they did end up selling 13 homes in one day. Now, again, everyone's saying, well, that was a week ago, Kevin. It's not anymore. I got this text message this morning. And this is why I told you it was my birthday. You can tell by the entire message that it came today. This is from a builder in California who said they had a great virtual preview night last night for their grand opening, completely virtual, worked very well, 20 appointments scheduled. 
to price out uh, the house. So even in a completely virtual process, the psychology here is what works. That, that, that humans are humans. And so the psychology is the foundation of the process. It is not getting people to line up. Sometimes that's a result and it's okay when that happens, but that's not what it's built on. Uh, for sake of time, we're gonna skip past this. There's also additional podcast episodes that we've already recorded, uh, episode 34 and 41. Uh, if you wanna to listen to those at a later date, marketingprovemarketing.com, uh, search for those episode numbers. About two more extra hours of, of different content related to how this works. Okay, some misconceptions, and then we're gonna get into the meat of this. This is a choose your own adventure book. Okay, this is, this, is, this is not a you must do this, this is the only way to do it. My job when I sat down to, to write this book, knowing every builder is different, it's impossible for me to say this is the only and best way to do it. But what I try to do in the book and every time I teach this process is saying, it is a choose your own adventure and my job is to let you know that if you choose to go to page eight or page 12, here's the likely things that you are making a trade-off when you, when, when you make that decision. You certainly don't have to have a VIP event, but here's the downside. Here's the potential upside, here's the potential downside. So to treat it as such, it is a choose your own adventure book. It's more important to iterate on the idea than to do it perfectly. It is also not a get out of jail free card. If you're trying to get 45% margins and sell uh, 20 homes on the first day, this ain't gonna do it for you. My only promise is that if you follow the principles in the book, you will do 30% better than any other method up to this point that anyone has ever showed me that they've used or taken in, in selling a product uh, in day one. So if you think that you were gonna get 10, you'll get probably 13 or more, but it is not going to solve the problem of we, we bought our land three times higher than we should have, and now we've overspecced our homes <laughs> and we're still demanding a 45% margin. It's not gonna be a get out of jail free card. And that's, all this is good because you don't want it to just be easy. If it was easy, right, everyone would do it. What you wanna do, as Jim Rohn said, is make yourself better using the process and learn from it every time. The first time you do this process, like anything else you do new in life, you're gonna stumble, you're gonna struggle with it. That's called learning. And so again, my favorite part when I go back and visit a builder or talk to someone who's implemented the program is when they start talking about their program. It's not Kevin's program, it's not pre-sale without fail, it is Builder X's approach to how they launch new communities. Every time you're gonna do it, you're gonna learn something new, you're gonna iterate on it, and you're gonna make it better. You don't, right, right now, what we have is too many Groundhog Days. Too many, every time we launch a community, it's, it's, it's a disaster. We just throw the model home door open, or we say we're selling, and again, we just cross our fingers and, and wait. All right, this isn't theory, but we don't have time to talk about all the details. The most important thing on this slide is uh, it's based on two books, The Human Psychology, Influence by uh, uh, Cialdini, Robert Cialdini, and Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. I got to meet both of those authors in person about 10, 12 years ago or so, um, and, and that's where all this started to kind of fall into place. There are three reasons you're gonna fail in any launch, and what I can tell you is that if you fail because of a lack of organization, you don't have basic information, you got a 50% chance of failure. If you don't have enough interest, even in today's environment, 
it's only about a 25% chance of failure. That's super easy still today. It's easy to get clicks. It's easy to get attention. It's easy to get form completions. It's easy to get leads. It still is. Again, leads this past Friday to yesterday compared to the previous week when most of us were still in denial about what was happening and economy was not as bad off as it is right now. This past Friday to, to, to Wednesday was better. Interest is still, should not be the challenge for you. So there's only 25% chance of failure there. But if you don't have a written process, if you can't learn, if you can't go back as a team and stay on the same page with some form of process, I can guarantee almost at 100%, especially in an economy like we have now, that you're gonna fail. And one of the reasons people fail is that no one's really in charge. Not even the owner, even in small organizations, they're kind of like, well, you know, we're, we're all just doing what we need to do. Someone's gotta be in charge. Someone has to own it. And if you don't know who it is, then, then figure out who's brave enough to step up and take control. It either needs to be a marketing leader, a sales leader, or an operations leader. Do not assign a launch process to an individual sales rep. Please do not do that. They can certainly do their part, but in terms of who's keeping everyone else on the same page, don't put that on the salesperson who needs to be focused on selling. All right, here it is. The simplest and most straightforward way I can present the process to you is just these six colored boxes and the steps in between. Uh, for the sake of today, we're gonna skip by most of the attention building stuff. Unless you guys ask a ton of questions and want me to skip back, I'm happy to do that. But still in today's environment, I think most builders have complete belief in their ability to build a list of interest, right? The danger zone really comes in, what do I do with that list? How do I activate it? So I wanna spend more of our uh, limited time talking through that, but I will go through the first part pretty quickly. The danger zone though is from the house in the sky to actually selling the houses. That's, that's where we need to be really careful. All right, as soon as we get the land secured, we're gonna put the information about the community on the website, we're gonna put up a sign. We don't have to run any advertising yet, we're just gonna put it out there and see who's interested just on the default fact that we're saying something's coming soon. We don't have pricing. We don't know exactly what the product's gonna be yet. It's just out there. Then we're gonna build the list. That's, that's the next step. And we're gonna figure out how many people do we need. We need three times the number of home sites being released is, is, a, is a good place to start. You'll come up with your own numbers again after you do this process, but if you've never done it before, three times the number of home sites being released is what you wanna, is what you wanna aim for. Now. That doesn't mean three, three times the number of home sites, so let's just use the number 150. I don't need 150 people who live nearby and are just asking a question because they're nosy. I need three times the number of home sites being released of people who are somewhat engaged. They are opening up nurturing emails. They are asking questions. They have called back in a second time to say, are we there yet? What's going on? Uh, somehow they're involved more than just the initial ask. Maybe it's a survey response, and we'll get more into that later. But three times is a great number to look at. Push versus pull marketing. We're gonna do both, and we're gonna start with pull marketing, and we're only gonna use push marketing if we need to get to that number of three times the number of home sites being released. Pull marketing essentially says, we exist, do you care? Where is that pent up demand? Is it already here? And again, all we need is a really basic website, and a basic sign that says something's coming and a way for people to reach out with a phone call or a form completion to get on that list. That's it, it's really simple. 
push marketing says we exist and you should care. So if we don't get enough from the pull marketing, then about 90 days to 120 days out, we're gonna start running advertisements of all different forms, sometimes yes, even still direct mail. And we're gonna tell people why they should care about the fact that this community is coming. You can also use fantastic landing pages uh, as well, but at the end of the day, you're just getting the list built either through push or pull. Now here's something important to remember is how are all these leads for your new community gonna be coming in? Historically, they all came in from form completions and it was, that, that made it really easy. But as you can see here, where leads are coming from for home builders have shifted dramatically as more and more traffic goes mobile. And everyone likes to say, Kevin, Mike, you know, millennials, they don't, they don't wanna pick up the phone and call you. They're scared to talk to people. They won't even order a pizza by calling somebody. Here's the difference. If you saw a house that you love and you know the market is tight and the pictures are amazing and you did the 3D tour and the description is great, if you are burning for information and you're a millennial or younger, does it make any sense to you that you would wanna fill out a form and wait who knows how long to maybe get a response? If they are interested enough, they want to know now. And yes, that might come through text messages, but the data still shows that people are getting more phone calls than they are text messages. And so that means you've gotta have a different plan even in a coming soon scenario, because your team probably is not built to take an extra 125 calls in a given period of time on that new community. So you gotta use tools like CallRail, uh, which is our favorite, or some other call tool that, that can send them through a semi-automated process just at the very beginning. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go on. Anthony, just quick check, anything that I need to circle back on? I know I'm going quick here. So no, no, that's that's fine. We had a couple good questions. Um, when you were talking about launches, the reason for, the, the three reasons for failure. Yeah. Um, if we fail at launching, can we relaunch? Yes, you absolutely can. Um, and there's, there's two different times you would call an audible um, to, to decide to relaunch. One might be that you get all the way to the grant, the VIP process where you're gonna have people come together for an in-person event and your RSVP count is less than 12 people. If you get less than 12, uh, especially if it's a mid to lower tier price point community, it's probably best two or three days out to reschedule that event to give you more time to ramp up marketing, to get more people on the list and to build more urgency. That's one way you can, you can quickly adjust and, and go down that choose your own adventure path. The other okay. is where you launch and it doesn't go as you expect. Then all you need to do is go quiet again for some period of time to basically get the, get the pressure built up in the list for another period of time. Uh, I've seen builders do this for as short as two weeks, where you basically say, we're not taking any more appointments for two weeks. And, and the best way to do this is to retool something. You know, don't just believe it's, it was bad timing. Oh, we picked the wrong date. Everyone wanted to go to, to some sporting event, right? Which they're obviously not gonna be doing right now, but there's something else in, in, that happened locally that maybe that was just timing. Don't believe it was just timing. Shift something, adjust an included feature set make a slight adjustment to a floor plan option, uh, pull in a new floor plan to, to, let, to start the community out at a lower price point if you can, but go silent for a brief period of time 
build up the VIP list and then relaunch using the same process and say, you know, we're, we're relaunching and here's some adjustments to the program. And builders have had good success. It's still, again, it's not a get out of jail free card. There's probably something else still about this that made it not go the way you wanted it to. But as long as you adjust and then do it again, I, I actually, and if you're on this webinar and, and this has happened to you, email me because I'd love to know. I don't know of anyone who has gone through a relaunch process and not sold at least one or two additional homes. I'm, I'm, I'm just not aware of anyone that I've been involved with where that's been an utter failure again at the other end of the line. It might take you longer to build the momentum you want, but just letting it sit there and say, well, I guess that didn't work. We'll just wait for sales to come in isn't a great strategy either. Thanks. We 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 had we had another question, actually a couple yeah. questions come in about your text you received from your builder on the virtual preview and their success. Okay. Just details. How did they put that together? What did it look like? What was the structure? Yeah. Um, so some of the specific tools that were used there was um, an online scheduling tool that has a certain number of slots. And um, again, we're going to skip through some steps here. But I want to have this, this slide up here to show you. That OSC launch process where you say, today is the day uh, you, can, you can start having an appointment or this in-person preview event. You know, the in-person preview event right now, that's not happening. So what they did was they had already had basic conversations with, with people about the type of home they wanted. That's what we call the house in the sky. And I'll go over that in more detail later, but I have to give you some context to, to answer the question. So they'd already had individual house in the sky conversations with a whole bunch of customers and they knew that their interest was there. They were planning to do a preview event and of course ha had to call an audible. So what we did was they, they pre-recorded a video message introducing the community and they did what's called a premiere video on Facebook that allows it to look like it's a live video. People can interact with it. You can conversate with people. The emojis fly across the screen, all that, all that good stuff that comes with a live video. But it was pre-recorded so they could engage with people. And then they also sent out an email to the VIP list the whole time saying, go, to the, go and watch the video. At the end of the video will be a link where you can schedule your one-on-one -on -one appointment. And here's the key from the psychological point of view. Normally, we want to have everyone come together in person so that they see the eyeballs of the other people and urgency begins to rise. So it's no longer Anthony just saying, trust me, this is a very hot community. They can look around and they see it. I mean, think about toilet paper, right? I guess I should work this into my talk now. Why did toilet paper sell out? Because everyone else was buying toilet paper. Why were they buying toilet paper? Because it's the largest object that's cheaply priced that you use every day that you can just grab a whole bunch of it. You feel safe. You throw it in your cart. And now you've got two years supply of toilet paper. That same idea is what we're working on here. And without having that in person, how do you create that virtually? Well, what we did was we said, there is a certain number of virtual appointment slots available over a given time period. And when they click that link and those slots start disappearing. So if we told them, for instance, that over the next four days, we're going to have 15 appointment slots and more beyond that. And they log into that, that scheduling tool and there's only eight slots left. And we just told them there were 14 or 15 toilet paper. It's the same, same thing going through their mind. Oh my gosh, people are taking these appointments. And so we're able to build urgency in a virtual way without having to actually let people see each other. 
Thanks, that, Kevin. That makes yeah, sense? no. Okay. That was no. That was a great answer. It, do you have a preferred scheduling software? Um, there, there's a whole bunch of them. Meetme.so. There's uh, we use Calendly ourselves for our business, and so as we've helped builders, um, I think it, it works fantastic and can connect with Zoom and GoToMeeting and and all kinds of other different services. Um, but Calendly and uh, and I believe I've got information about that in the link at the end as well. But if you Google that, uh, it's a great it's a great scheduling tool that you can in, uh, plug into other other software solutions for having conversations. Okay, so we build a list, we we nurture that list, we we continue to always add to it, and then we come to what we call the OSC launch. And this is when you need a unicorn. You need a central point of contact that, of course, at DU Convert, we believe should be the new home specialist or the online salesperson. And the reason you need it is for, is for two things, consistency and high volume. Salespeople are obviously incredibly essential, but they're not built to interact with 150 people all at once. They're built to take human, human feedback and tone of voice and emotion and, and pull all that stuff together and help people through a transaction. Online salespeople are built for two things, consistency and high volume, both consistency of message, but also at happening. Back to a lot of the surveys and, and stats that you guys have heard um, that, that we've done for years and, and other people have talked about as well, where online salespeople answer the phone on average 70% or more of the time. And when we shop on-site salespeople, they answer the phone on average 30% or less of the time. So simply by having that consistency and, and, and someone who's built for high volume and high numbers, you're able to do things like this, where we send out a message on the day of that OSC launch that says, today's the day, it's here. I'm excited to let you know that effective immediately, you can schedule a private appointment. You can just cross out the word private and put in virtual. He or she will be able to help determine the home design that fits your needs. And again, this is the part in bold here, I think is, is probably the most important. Due to overwhelming demand we've received regarding this community, these appointments will be scheduled on a first-come, first-served basis. And so they can click through the website, get information on that link above, or they can reach right out and schedule an appointment to take that next step, which we call the house in the sky. Now remember though, uh, just like your kids in the backseat of the car on a long trip to go to, to go to Disney World or wherever, and they keep saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Online salespeople and salespeople are hounded mercilessly for months by customers who promise and swear on their firstborn children that they will be the first ones to purchase in the community. And they call every week, every week, every, every couple days, unfortunately, sometimes, and say, is it ready? Do you have information? You're keeping it from me, aren't you? And then what a lot of builders fail to do is, is they send out one email to their list of 300 people and just say, all right, well, we did it. We, we, we did the process, we did the book, and only a small number of people respond to that initial email. We gotta, we gotta pay the customer back appropriately with relentless follow-up. So these are actual numbers from, from a builder who did this. The first time they sent out an email, they got four, four appointments scheduled. Then they made a phone call to the list of people who had opened up the email and clicked on any of the links. Scheduled another five, waited 24 to 48 hours, sent another email saying, hey, we've already scheduled nine appointments, wanted to make sure we reached you. You know, messaging has to change slightly, but, but not a lot, seven more appointments. Phone call follow-up to, to email number two, another four. The difference between stopping at one and doing all four 
is exponential, right? We can't just send out one email, make one phone call and say, well, that's it. I guess, I guess that's all the people who are interested. You've got to be relentless in that follow-up over the first week of that process going from an OSC launch to house in the sky appointments. If you've got thousands of people on your list, oh, here we go. Calendly, Schedule Once, Bookio. Um, even before all this, we would have a, a master plan community with 3,000, 3, 4,000 people on the list. I mean, sorry, we've only got one or two online salespeople. We can't process that many people. But what we can do is say, today's the day you've been waiting for. And now instead of making them call in or email back, we can say, you can go to the website and learn more, or you can go click the scheduling tool and book on your own. There's still a lot of follow-up and work that has to be done, however, because customers might book out of fear of loss, and someone still has to circle back before that appointment happens and explain what's going on, and set expectations, and maybe even figure out that someone isn't really the right fit for the community still. So there's still, it's, it's not completely automatic. Don't ever set it up and just think that's gonna take care of everything, but you can use tools like that. That takes us to the house in the sky portion where we're having these individual one-on-one -on -one conversations with people where we can, we can as Jeff Shore says, uh, you know, find out what, what, what is that driving factor of, of change, the future promise that they, they need, and learn their individual stories. And this is one of the other big mistakes people do is they have huge uh, group events, which can work in great markets. Again, it will work in a great market environment, but you don't know where each prospect is in their in their home buyer journey in a group appointment you can't there's no way for you to know that so the house in the sky is where you sit down with them show them the details of the floor plan structural options and and help design and build the home that they are interested in that's the best fit for their family and their needs and make them comfortable with the broad price range that they are likely to be in when it is time to purchase so helping them narrow selections and giving them broad pricing and structural information options uh, details. We are not at that time giving any details on the home site. And this is what I, the analogy I use here is we're playing poker with someone who is always showing us their cards first. So we are sitting down with them. We are talking to them about the type of home that they want and need, making sure that it fits in their budget. And then inevitably, once you stop doing that, they're going to say, well, can you tell me about the home sites? And you're going to say, uh, unfortunately, I can't tell you about the home sites to avoid confusion and disappointment. To avoid confusion and disappointment, that's one to write down. To avoid confusion and disappointment, we don't release that information until it's 100% finalized. However, since you brought that up, what kind of home site are you looking for? Do you want a cul-de-sac? Do you need a big yard? Do you want to maintain a big yard? Uh, is a home site premium of $20,000 going to be okay? You know, you get to see their cards. They're going to now tell you because you already know what kind of house they like. Then you're going to know what kind of home site they want. And now you know everything you need to. And again, as Jeff Shore would say, the sale begins to roll out right in front of you. You you know what they want and you know if you have it. And you also know, by the way, if the Smith family also wants the same thing or something different. We use the concept of herd mentality to help us create urgency, but everyone can't buy the same home site. So as we figure out what people really want and need, we can push and pull them to avoid the, the need for lotteries and, and other things. And of course, we can, we can ultimately pick a, pick a backup home site as well. Um, 
but you know you're going to you're going to talk to them and ask them questions about all the different unique aspects of a home site every single home site is different that's the truly one of a kind thing it's not the house itself it's the house on the home site that is unique and one of a kind always now this slide may not make sense right now but since it's being recorded i still have to say this sometimes you still have too many people who want to have those individual appointments we had a neighborhood where there was 200 people who still wanted to meet one-on-one -on -one with one salesperson so the idea here i'm going to give you a couple ideas but but the main principle is you just keep elevating the requirements to take the next step you, you literally say here is a hoop of fire who wants to jump through and in, in tough market times, that hoop's going to be pretty easy to jump through and not too scary. At certain times, you're going to say you have to be pre-approved before we have this conversation. You have to give a deposit, uh, refundable or not, to be to go on to the next step. Whatever you need to do to get the list to a manageable size that is still at least three times what's being released, it needs to be on the table. And again, and, and an example of where we are today, uh, uh, Sterling Homes in Edmonton a couple months ago released a project where they had people provide a thousand dollar deposit on a credit card at the end of a, of a survey that they did in order to advance to that next step. And I think there's certain genius in the credit card because as long as you're having that appointment before they have to pay it, it's not cash out of their pocket. And so if they like it, no, you know, that's great. If, if things don't work out, no harm, no foul. You refund the amount and the customer moves on. All right, let's pause for a second before we get to the next step. Anything else, Anthony, that I'm I'm missing or or breezed by too quickly? Well, we uh, you know we're getting a lot of questions, and uh, I had going back to uh, scheduling appointments. Uh, yeah. In, initially, when you were talking mm -hmm. about that, is that the online sales consultant? Are they managing that appointment yes. scheduling and then handing yep. off to sales? Yes, so uh, good point. I'm glad you brought me back to this. Another mistake that's common is that, that companies will tell a salesperson six months before they can actually sell a darn house. Hey, this is your new community, um, but focus on this other one. <laughs> and that's just not, that is not human nature. You're like, this is where all my commissions are coming from. This is the shiny new object. Oh, I've got five remaining inventory homes in my closeout community. I don't feel like focusing on that tremendously. So. For a lot of reasons, that being one of them, you want to, until all the information is handled, because of consistency and high volume, you want to keep everything going to a central point of contact, who we would say should be your online salesperson. And then once that online salesperson sends out the message to the VIP list in that email with phone call follow-up, that's when we begin to transition the relationship from that online salesperson to the on-site sales rep for that house in the sky virtual appointment or in-person appointment. Good question. Okay, one more one more question here, and this came in uh, from Mike Davidson. Mike, appreciate your question. Um, hey, Mike. Ide ideas for builders who are open with specs and not just dirt lots. You know, should we offer dirt lots in addition to specs? Uh, yes, you should. And that might be a loaded question because I kind of know what Mike Davidson's going on right now. But yes, you absolutely should. The, the only thing that is hard about inventory homes is when you say that line that I mentioned earlier, to avoid confusion and disappointment, we're only releasing certain amounts of information. When you've got homes under construction, it gets a little bit questionable. Like, well, what do you mean you don't know? You're building four of them. And so what, what I use in that scenario is saying, hey, we're not gonna be releasing the pricing information 
even though we know generally what's going in those homes and the floor plans that are being built, we're not gonna be releasing the details or the pricing until the preview event in, or, or the house in the sky appointments. It depends, again, choose your own adventure, what, what you wanna do. But you're gonna withhold that information until, uh, until you're ready to use it to make sure that people show up. And, and so you can always say, well, yeah, we've begun construction on these homes, but we're still figuring out all of our exact costs. And so we don't have final pricing to offer you yet. So specs make it a little bit difficult in that early point to withhold information, but you can get around it. And at the end of the day, remember that timing is one of the most important factors in making a decision. And so there will be people who need to and want to move in quickly and inventory homes will be the perfect thing for them. However, Zillow's data has consistently shown, somewhat obviously, although it, maybe not unless they gave us the, the information, that one of the reasons people choose a new home is because they wanna personalize it. They wanna put their mark on it. They want what they want. And so if they're willing to wait, that's awesome. But to, to again, in a great market, you can pigeonhole all this. In a great market, Anthony, when we see builders do this, you say, I'm not doing any of this. I'm just gonna build 10 inventory homes and whenever they're done, I'll give them a price so I can make the most money possible and they sell. That would not work for you in 2008. That might bankrupt you if you're a small builder in 2008. So again, this idea of you can, you can try to control the customer and give them less and less choice in, in, a, in an up-moving market where supply is lower than demand. When things shift, you've got to give them more options. And in and, and some cases, in 2009, that was where a builder said, you know what? I wanted to release this in a certain phasing, and I need certain home sites that face the water or the pond or whatever. So I only was planning originally to do these and kind of withhold this other stuff, even though it's developed but I'm gonna release five home sites over here because I wanna have the ability to say in my advertising that I've got home sites facing the pond. So you need to give consumers more choice and options in any time that the market is is moving downward. Good good question though, Mike. Yeah, should, should we, uh, good, great questions coming in. Should we hold off on publishing information on the website until the house in the sky appointment is set? I mean. Yes, so, um, and again, because things have gone so well for so long, I don't talk about this as much, but again, what we're doing is we're withholding information to keep attention. And this is somewhat counterintuitive to builders where they think that um, if I release the information, the customer will make a decision and move on. Not if they're interested. Uh, people on the call will certainly have heard from customers that they are thinking about buying a home from you, but they just wanna wait until the builder down the street releases more information. Again, if timing is critical, they can't wait for you to release information. If they are flexible on timing, people would, a lot of times th that's the reason they're asking so strongly for information from you is they wanna rule you out. They wanna be like, nope, it's too expensive. You can't do it, honey. Nope, they don't have the right home site size. We're not gonna do it. They're actually looking for information to exclude you. And you, I have to finish this thought even though it's gonna take a minute. That's why a lot of builders try to withhold information on the site as a whole. Well, you can't do that. I mean, if you've, if you've already built 15 homes, you can't say there's no pricing on my site, sorry. Oh, you wanna see pictures of the model? You better come here and you can't do that. But in a new community, this is the only time that you can withhold information and release it strategically and not be a jerk. 
because again, you're doing so to avoid confusion and disappointment. So um, you, you just gotta, you gotta know where you are. And, and specifically in a new community setting, you're able to hold their attention and make sure they're opening up their emails, make sure they're listening and build the urgency properly by releasing information slowly over time, just like Apple does when they come up with a new product or device. They don't tell you anything until Tim Cook or in the past Steve Jobs would get on the stage and say, here it is. And that kept the whole world paying attention to that keynote. What are they gonna say? What are they gonna do? Uh, so, so we're controlling that interest level by releasing information slowly over time. And specifically in the process of, here's what we're going to be building generally, to here's what we're gonna build specifically, the house in the sky, to here's the home sites that you can put it on. And then once the customer knows all those things, now they're finally ready to buy. But in the meantime, again, we're playing poker, being able to look at their cards. Thanks, Kevin. We have one more question, and I, I wanted to, to sure. uh, get this one in. Uh, comes from Richard. He says, in tight markets, and, and he says, like Canadian prairies, have you seen any benefit in sharing minor options, paint colors, lighting, with buyers yes. in completed yes. spec homes? Yes. Yes, the reason we say not usually is because you're going you're not you don't have the time. But if you're in a in a smaller market or a slower market, again, we're trying to build emotion. We're trying to build excitement. And you know, frankly, for a lot of people, saying, you know, a 2-foot extension is going to be $15,000 is not so exciting. But selecting a countertop, selecting a tile, it's all a matter of how much are you messing up the the inner workings of your home building company. If your design studio is set up to only let one person in at a time and, you, and you've got a full slate of people coming and going, well, we don't wanna send again 50 people who haven't yet written a contract into that environment and muck the whole thing up. But certainly the more time and attention you can give them and the more personal you can make that process and go through some of those other details, the more they will fall in love with what they are creating. That's that's called the Ikea effect, right? When you buy furniture from Ikea and you put it together, you feel better about what you did, even if you have 15 extra parts and you're not sure where they go. You know, I, I made that, I put that together. And that that's what you're unlocking when you're going through more detail in that process. All right, we ready to go down the home stretch? We're, we're ready to go down the home stretch. Okay. So we have as many house in the sky appointments as we possibly can. And now we've got to get ready for once social distancing is gone, the in-person event. Or again, we've talked again already about how to do some of this virtually, but for the sake of the recording, we're still going to talk about one day getting together with other humans. So we're going to take the site map of the community and we're going to take the information that we learned about everyone, all of the cards on the table, and we're going to put details around the site map. There is something magical about putting something on, on the site map and printing it out, putting it on a board or in a flyer or putting it on the website. Suddenly, the consumer, this is a blind spot. They don't think to themselves, well, you're just calling these flat yards because you want to draw attention to them. They, they take it as almost like a scientific fact that, that these, these words could not be here if it was not so. <laughs> and so some of these things are facts. Some of these things, like perfect for a Bellwood, that's just because the builder believes that 51 is one of the worst home sites in the plan, and the Bellwood is one of the least expensive floor plans that they offer. And so if a customer is already price sensitive, they wanna show them 
<laughs> through the magic of text on paper that if you're interested in a Bellwood, you also want to pick this $0 home site that's perfect for you, and it's home site 51. So you're putting information and seeding the customer's uh, uh, direction and what they're interested in on the sitemap. You're also having individual conversations with everyone involved in the process about every person you've met. So, and the salesperson leads this meeting, the preview prep meeting. They start with their best customer in terms of qualification and, and the product that they're looking for. So the Smiths are my number one customer. They're non-contingent, they're pre-approved. Uh, all the selections are, are gonna be in on time. They're ready to be an immediate start and they wanna be on home site 35 and they're building you know, the Stanford home design. Great, we're gonna give them 35 and we picked a backup of 36. So 35, 36, that's for the Smiths. Okay, let's talk about the Joneses. The Joneses want a, a Bellwood. They're, they're gonna get in by the skin of their teeth. We're gonna have to put them on 51 or 49. Okay, and you're gonna go down that list and take notes because everyone who's gonna work the event with you needs to have this basic information of where each family or individual is and what their hot buttons are and which home sets are likely to fit their needs. And, and then we're gonna have an in-person event, again, as we talked about, so everyone sees everyone else there and we're going to release the home site information. So the customer already knows the home, site, home information, the structural information, maybe some of the small option information. And now they're gonna learn all about the home sites and then at that point, they will have everything they know to make an informed decision. This is how we avoid the stigma that this is a high pressure sales tactic. It's not. From the time of the OSC launch to the time of actually selling contracts, could be anywhere from two to six weeks, depending on how the, the builder decides to structure that. So whenever someone says, this feels like high pressure sales, or I don't know, this is moving fast, you say, oh, yeah, that's, I'm really surprised to hear you say that because we've actually created this process and the structure to give you time in between the different stages to think about your decision and feel confident moving forward to the next step. So even though we are creating urgency, it's not your fault, it's their fault that the urgency is rising when you use this process. So we're gonna have an in-person event. Everyone always wants to know, where do I have this event? Do I have to have a model done to do so? Of the 26, 28 times that I did this myself, I think I only had a finished model twice. It's extremely rare indeed, uh, unless you work with a builder who's willing to be patient. You will make more money per sale most of the time when you have a finished model on site to sell from. But the vast majority of the times I did this myself, the streets had just been paved and there was nothing else around. Uh, obviously, if it's a new section or new phase of an existing community, you've got the model on site and so that's awesome. But model on site would be the best. A model nearby, but not on site is okay too. And even event spacing. So I've got some pictures here of just clubhouse facilities, uh, golf course facilities, nice restaurants. <coughs> Those all will work just fine. What you lose is the ability to showcase the finishes and the materials that you're offering. And so you might need a couple extra visual tools to help people understand that uh, and get a sense of what it is you offer. But again, you can also cover that in the one-on-one -on -one appointments to follow. You're gonna run this event a little bit like a restaurant check-in. So ideally the online salesperson or a couple of people are, are checking people in. You're giving everyone name tags because again, you're gonna have multiple salespeople working this event most likely or, or people in the company. And if, if someone has been through a house in the sky appointment, 
you want to give them a slightly different color name tag than someone who shows up for the first time. The reason for that is if someone has been doing what we've been asking them to do and they're on the VIP list, we want to give them priority attention. Now, I want to be clear, the person who just showed up to that event for the first time and knows nothing about you, they just stopped in because there were cars lined up down the street and they saw balloons. That person may still be your best customer. Say that again. The person who just showed up may be your best customer, but you don't know it yet and they don't know it yet. You're going to figure it out before the, the grand release happens and you actually take contracts. But for right now, you need to give priority attention to people that have already been on that list and have been doing what you've been asking them to do. All right, you're gonna, you're gonna check them in, give them a name tag, let them get uh, some drinks, feel comfortable, and one by one, you're gonna sit down at a, at, a, at a map like this, and you are going to talk to them about their current situation. So now I am role-playing as the owner of the company, perhaps, and someone's gonna bring up the Smith family to me. I'm gonna say hello, I'm gonna introduce them. I'm gonna know by my notes that the Smith family is interested in either 35 or 36, and they want a Stanford. And so first I'm gonna say, oh, hi, Ms. hi, Smith, um, my name's Kevin. Uh, I'm the owner, or I'm the sales manager, or I'm the salesperson. Uh, great, great to see you. I understand that you're interested in the Stanford with this option, that option. Those are gonna be fantastic. It's a great floor plan, one of our best sellers. You're gonna really enjoy it. I think you made a great decision. Uh, and I understand that you're, you know, you're looking for a home site with some of these characteristics. Is that, is that correct? Fantastic. Well, if I were you, there's, there's really no doubt that if I was going to build a Stanford in this community, I'd probably want to do it on either 35 or 36, and let me explain to you why. And then what you're going to do is what I call walk the home site on paper. You're going to take the little scale, you're going to take the map, and you're going to show them how much front yard they're going to have, how much side yard, which direction the house is going to face, <clears throat> where the sun's going to come up. You're going to explain to them, and this is this is where you establish authority. So even if you're not the owner, you're just you know you're a salesperson. Once you start doing this process, it'll blow their minds, and they will they will even if you just started last week, they're going to think you're an amazing expert and have supreme confidence in what you're talking about. How do you walk home sites on paper again? Teach them the building line, the grading lines. Focus on their best choice. Reinforce what they already said. This is you know they're going to probably ask you. They're going to say, hey, what, what about home site 10? That one looks like the biggest pie-shaped lot here. How about that one? And that's when you're going to return them back to the things they've already told you and say, that's definitely a nice home site too. But one, the home site premium on that one is going to be $20,000. And you'll know the home site premium is priced right when half the people say, oh, okay. But if they, if they don't seem phased by the pricing, then you can say, and remember, you said that you really didn't want too much uh, maintenance on the yard, and you wanted to make sure that you had the sun coming in, um, <clears throat> hitting the backyard in the evening, so that you you had uh, more warmth for eating outdoors. For whatever the reasons are, you're going to remind them of those choices. And and when you do that, more than 80% of the time, people will simply go directly to the choices that you recommend, and that prevents the overlap and the fighting over the same home site. Okay, the ending of the preview event, as you can see here, the next step after that is to go walk the home sites that they chose. So they've already priced out a house. They're pretty sure of the home site that they want. You're gonna go walk that home site, make sure they fall in love with it, and you're gonna finalize all the remaining paperwork that's necessary for your contract process to begin. So again, some builders, that means you're gonna have to select countertop or, or levels of interior options. 
for personalization. For some builders, that's gonna come later. So you're just gonna do the structurals. It's gonna change. But your next step is to walk the home site, answer all their last questions, put it all on paper and say, here you go, take the contract home, review it, let me know any questions. Otherwise, we'll see you at the grand release event and give them, give them the date and time for that event. We're not putting things on hold. Let me say it again, we're not putting things on hold. In today's world, putting something on, involving real estate on hold does not take people out of the market. Unless that money is non-refundable, it's not gonna take them out of the marketplace. They're going to get back in their car and they're gonna say, this is awesome, honey, we've got another week or two to figure out if we really want this. And they're gonna keep shopping because shopping online is too dang easy. They're gonna keep looking. So we don't, we don't, we don't give holds. It, some people will say, well, people are still nervous. What can I tell them to give them some hope? If you're walking home site 34 with the Smiths, at the end of that, because you know it to be true, you can give them some hope, some reassurance. You can say, you know what, so far, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you guys are the furthest along of anyone else when it comes to getting home site 34. And you should feel good about that. Now, I can't promise 100% that it's gonna be yours, but you guys so far are the furthest along. That's a great way to give them reassurance, make sure they don't lose hope and give up early uh, or, or feel too scared about the process. But you wanna make sure they still show up and they still buy. And again, anytime you let people, what I call pop the urgency bubble, if you take a $10,000 check or someone offered me a $50,000 check, as soon as you take that, the urgency is gone and you no longer are in control of what happens next. So no, no, no holds. All right, a couple more pieces and, and then we'll, we'll wrap up for questions. Again, here are the things that can and will backfire. Don't pop the urgency bubble. Do not promise people that, that they are first in line. Do not let them put things on hold. Any other person selling anything, a retail store, a restaurant, I could not call up the, the most, uh, the restaurant that everyone wants to go to and say, I'm thinking about maybe coming in on Thursday. I'm not certain, but can you hold your best table for me? It's not gonna work. Reserving a spot in line. Here's why that's bad. If you tell people, well, you're first in line or you're fifth in line, Anthony, you're fifth in line. Hey, when it's your turn to come up, how many sales would you expect to be on the board when you get up there for your fifth turn? Four. Right. So what if there's one? What's going through your mind? The I uh, People in front of me didn't like this or didn't Some, want to buy it. Yeah, them. right. Something Slow down. Weird. Hold on. The warning signs are going off. Wait a minute. I'm number five and there's only one sale. I guess I have more time to think about this. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll back out too. I've seen too many times where that reverse urgency momentum starts happening. And uh, the one I tell a lot is a townhome project where they had scheduled 45 appointments and they only, they sold less than I think than five homes at the end of the day because of that reverse momentum that started working against them. Against them. Again, group presentations can work in good times and it's really tempting to do so because, hey, I can just communicate with all 50 or 100 of these people at once. Owners especially love, for some reason, a lot of owners like getting up on stage and giving a group presentation. Again, you don't know any more of the specifics about each and every customer and where they are and what they're looking for. That's one bad thing. The second bad thing is group presentations can sometimes turn into group question time. And I, the example I always use is, and I saw this happen. Someone raised their hand and said, are you gonna use the same crappy landscaping package that you always do in your communities or is this one gonna have something nicer? 
uh, you lose control in a group setting uh, at times as well. But the more important thing is you just don't know what the consumer individually is looking to do. Don't give away incentives or discounts. That's just weird. This is something brand new. It's never been done before. You can do pre-construction pricing if you want. That should be the only incentive you need. If you need incentives or discounts, again, something's wrong. So let me be clear here, because in the current environment, you may need to think about it, but it needs to be really small, and you only need to use it if as you go through the process, the consumer's behavior is giving you warning signs. If you send out your OSC launch email and, and they follow up two or three times with phone calls and emails, and only two people have scheduled an appointment, yeah, something's wrong. You might need to pull out the promotion card, but never, ever, ever lead with it. There's simply no reason. It's already communicating that you really don't know what the pricing of this neighborhood should be. Uh, last thing I'll leave you with uh, before I give you the links to the other materials is if there's no struggle, there is no progress. It's gonna be hard the first time you do it. And again, that's a good thing because if it was easy, everyone would do it. This is a process that you can iterate and change and learn on over time. It's gonna be hard, but anything worth doing is, is, is worth doing well. And it's gonna have some struggle at the beginning. All right, here's, here's two links. <clears throat> Let me tell you what these two links are. Take a picture with your phone. Uh, Anthony, I'll send out the recording later. Uh, Now.doyouconvert.com slash presale is a whole bunch of material that you can have access to, uh, PDFs, examples of different pieces of the process, an Excel file that gives you kind of the, the uh, order of events to be done and a countdown. And then slash presale video is a video of a builder in Cincinnati, uh, Northern Kentucky, who had people camp out multiple days before the launch. And I think this was about a year and a half or so ago. Uh, if you have people in your company who are skeptical about this process, you need to watch that video with them. Because again, some people are very concerned. I don't want people to camp out. Well, these people camped out and they actually went on the news and talked about how much they love the builder. <laughs> so you need to go look at that video too. All right, let's pause for question time. Thanks for having me on, Anthony. Uh, I wanna make sure to, to let you know, we really appreciate you uh, allowing us to get, get this message out, both about the current market conditions and pre-sale. But any other questions that you guys have, uh, let's fire away, Anthony. Well, one, thank you for being on, Kevin. This is incredible information. I have pages and pages of notes uh, from a variety, uh, all the different things that you covered, but lots of great information. We don't really have any more questions. Actually, I'll get one in. Uh, Zach Metcalf, Zach, thank you for sending this in. Uh, going back to the question on discounts, if you offer a military discount, should you hmm. hold off displaying info about it? until later or offer it during so. the event? I think um, I think in those situations, that, that that's a as much a branding uh, and company culture message as it is a sales and marketing message. And so I don't think you'd ever want to hide the fact that you have, assuming that it's a, it's a relatively small discount in the big picture of things. I think a lot of customers are, are even if they're not eligible, understand and value the fact that you're giving back to uh, people who are who are doing so much for for them and our country. So and, and things like that, I think it's okay to uh, to just have it be a standard process and, and messaging that's out there all the time. All right, fantastic. Well, thanks again well, for having me, Anthony. 
Oh, absolutely, Kevin. I was talking with my mic on mute. So <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about skill sets and technology. Clearly, I don't have that. No. So what we're going to be doing, for those of you who had some questions that we that I didn't get answered online, we'll be following up offline. I'll be sending those to Kevin. Yeah. Also, um, thank you to everybody who's who stayed online. I know we ran long today, but this information is so great and so relevant to today's market. So, Kevin, Thank you. Appreciate you being on today's program. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. See ya.